Welcome to episode 134 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Wide Ocean, Big Jacket. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have two friends with me. The first friend, you know him, you love him. His name is Michael Ruffalo. I'm excited to talk about a game that reminds me of cake. (laughs) And here to talk about cake uh, with us is our second friend, uh, Mo Murtati. This game could have been an email, not gonna lie. (laughs) (laughs) Mo coming Uh, in with the hot takes right right from the go. The hottest takes. Uh, today we are talking about Wide Ocean Big Jacket, developed by Turnfollow, published by Tender Claws, available on Switch, Windows, and Linux, originally released on January 22nd, 2020. Let's start this. How we start all of our shows with the fast pitch, uh, a one sentence description of the game. Who wants to go first? All right, here we go. I think the a shorter hike than I was expecting. <laughs> wow. Pun intended. just. Well, it's just savage right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will go second and say um, this is the first short film uh, that budding directors make the video game. Michael. You guys are, are, are way more savage than me. Uh, I will say it is a precocious child simulator. Oh, I actually didn't mean mine in a bad way. I meant it in a like prescriptive way of like this is it is it is a student film that comes with the good and the bad. Well, tell I've me. I've made some really bad student films. <laughs> tell me. This is not one of them. Tell me. Tell me all about them. What what no, what I'm signals not. a good or a bad student film, and what are what are the trappings? What oh are my the gosh. things we expect? Uh, what I love in a good student film is one that just like takes a big swing and like, you know, punches above its weight. And I find that the 10,000 words of dialogue in this game really like punch above the, hey, this is an hour long trip simulator indie game. Uh, like it punches above that weight. Which means it's better at it. Which means it's better than it should be on paper. Okay. I like this game. Let's just start there. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about the genesis of how this happened. I was the one who was like, Mike, go ahead. You don't like this. Well, it's not that I don't like this. I just, I also want to know what are the signs of a bad student film? I can definitely (laughs) catch that. A a bad student game would be something where like there's hiccups, like there's stuttering. Maybe some like uh, objects are hitting each other or maybe the story doesn't fit right. And some sections are like uh, padded in. We usually play some pretty good games. This one wasn't bad from that sense in general. But uh, I think in terms of like, memorable moments i doubt i will remember anything from this game a month from now i could be the outlier but that's just my perspective uh for this one i think you guys are are jumping right to the conclusion before we've had any exploration i was gonna read off a quote from the verge but we we could actually go through the time capsule first if you'd like let's do it all right. Well, hey, the time the time capsule. Let's just tell us tell you all about what happened around the release of this game. Um, just to give you some context, this game came out in January of 2020. Just slow before the pandemic. Games, just before the pandemic, it was a slow time in games. Here are a few things that came out in the month of January: the final episode of Kentucky Route Zero and the full package on consoles. We had the Walking Dead games that came out on Switch. 
uh, DBZ Kakarot came out uh, right around the release of this game, and another similar similar title, uh, Coffee Talk, which is a a fun indie that I'm going to push you guys to play sometime on this on this podcast. Interesting. We know we know Mo is all tied up with uh, the DBZ game, uh, Mr. Shenron himself. Uh, but I honestly, I can't remember what I was playing at this time. I just know that this is not a game that would normally have ended up on my radar. This is a very what I would call an itchio game. Uh, not only and did what I, is itchio? Itchio is, uh, I think, it is the place of the most quirky uh, indie games. It is the most bite-sized games that would have otherwise been part of a demo scene uh, in a past life. Uh, it is a storefront for for only the most quirkiest of quirk, uh, and it it really does have a home there. Uh, it does have a home there because it was actually in the bundle for racial equality, which was a huge bundle that came out, I think, in 2020 that was like five bucks and you got like hundreds of games in it. So if you purchased that bundle and supported that cause, you have this in your HIO library. I wish I would have known about that because I paid the full MSRP for this guy. A nice little $9.99 Canadian on the Nintendo Switch. I, you, you know, guys I, figure I, it out was, if I was happy it with was, that. Also, just in a, uh, a a recent bundle on Itchio, uh, and I'm pretty sure I, I let you know, Mo, that it was part of that bundle too. That you could have gotten it for you know five dollars minimum, but you know, obviously encouraged to spend the full amount and support a good cause. Uh, let me tell you what I was playing at that time because I actually keep track, unsurprisingly, <laughs> of when I play games and what I'm playing. So at that time, I was flipping back and forth between Pokemon Sword and Shield, finishing that up, and then Detroit Become Human. For this very podcast. Wow. Well then. Titles. I'm, I'm all 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 good games. All good games. All good games. Um this dev made some other like small indie titles, including one that got a little bit of zeitgeist on social from the development community called Packing Up the Rest of Your Life on the Last Day at Your Old Apartment. Uh think of it as like the progenitor to unpacking, which just came out on Xbox Game Pass. You just Mike. sent me for a ride because that <laughs> title is everything I would have expected from a developer who made this game. I'm surprised that this game doesn't have a title like that. A lot of words, huh? Very wordy. Almost like the <laughs> characters in this game. <laughs> um, I don't think there was much memorable marketing behind this game, uh, but I, I want to know like text-based adventures, games that you reminded you of this game, if anything else comes to mind before we jump into this game. Uh, I think it just my my little intro. I said a shorter hike, essentially because like just cosmetically, it looked like kind of like the same art style. Similar so color I was expecting palette. some kind of mini adventure. Uh, so yep. that's kind of the first thing that came up, but that's the only one that comes to the top of my mind right now. Yeah, I you know a short hike also came to mind. Uh, I think that's a really good call out, Mo. Um, you know, Jacob, before we we got on, I think you had mentioned or the words thirty flights of loving" came out of your mouth, and that that also. Uh, you know, felt like a, an interesting call out that had some relation. Um, to be honest, there 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 weren't too many games that that stuck out to me, um, but it does have an art style that feels familiar. It feels like a cartoon I've watched at some point, but I wouldn't it's be sticking able- around. Oh, maybe, maybe a little bit more realistic than sticking around. But yes, Pepperan. Uh, I barely remember Pepperan. But yes, okay. it, it's like a cartoon I have seen that I wouldn't be able to tell you the name of. Okay, someone with holy co- mackerel. You know, maybe, maybe a, a fuzzier version of Hey Arnold. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Get out of here, football like, head. Because I think yeah. that was in. 
was it that that one you remember the show kabam on kaboom on nickelodeon it was like a show that was a cartoon and then had like live action stuff in it too i never watched nickelodeon i was a ytv kid right yeah you most guys, thrown up you gang signs Bam. Yeah, yeah, we're that's the, the, that's the life we're I sliming live too, each other. You know, yeah. we're the OG. We're the source of all the Canadian cartoons that American kids grew up on. Yeah, oh, the best. Um, before we dive in, I want to know how you played it. I played it on Switch. Mo played it on Switch. I played Mike it on PC. It on. Ooh, nice. I've got Did a, you like it on keyboard. I, I hated it on keyboard, but uh, that was just mostly because I had to get back using keyboard i'm i'm so used to being able to click on things and uh move a cursor around at least with a controller at a minimum um i was frustrated at first when i loaded into this game that i couldn't use a mouse to click on the menu uh and that i had to use a keyboard and also and this is just a minor gripe that i have to get out now i thought it was very frustrating that the enter key did not confirm or select anything and that you had to hit spacebar but that's that's the end of me griping. No, I, I had to be honest, Mike. You using a mouse and keyboard. I had the the, the Joy Cons on the Nintendo Switch, and it wasn't the greatest movement mechanic. It was a little bit like clunky, but it, I kind of got over it quick because I wasn't expecting this game to be like a uh, navigation heavy 3D universe. It just needed to get to point A to point B, and it did that fine. Like there was no. I think this will be my last complaint because I don't want to completely bury like an indie game <laughs> as a. Someone who wants to build indie games as well. I don't want to say the best ones are the worst, because then if I create something, oh man, here comes all right, the, the well, criticism. The listener now knows 10 minutes in is where all the complaints stop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would love to set up this game with a quote from DM Moore at The Verge, because I think it did a really good job when I was researching this episode of setting up what this game is, and then we can dive right into it. Hit so me in with this it. game, you aren't controlling a specific character. Instead, you're acting more as a scene director. Any choices you're asked... Uh, to make less to do with changing the words or the path of the narrative and more to do with the experience you are having viewing it. It's something like 30 Flights of Loving or Virginia, which both use film techniques like cross-cutting to jump between the moments in the story, combined with aspects of Kentucky Route Zero's player-as-co-writer approach to interactive storytelling. Virginia is a great call-out there. Yeah, um, and I know, do you, just as a, a reminder, we play that game. You can find it in the feed. I It's probably on my top 25 games of all time list. Did you guys like Virginia as well? I think you were colder on it than I was. I, I mean, I think the listeners should go back and listen to our Virginia episode. But uh, I, I really did enjoy Virginia. I, I think there were elements, I think with every game we play, there are gripes uh, and complaints that I have. Um, but on the whole, I remember my experience with Virginia being pretty good. I, I think I had and, some issues with how clear the story was at times, but uh, I'll leave that to the listener to go back and, and remind me of. And that's episode twenty. Uh, we played that a long time ago. Uh, if you're if you're interested in that, we we'll, put that out in two thousand and seventeen. And we're going to link that in the description, in the notes of this episode. So it's an interactive story where you take control of one of four characters uh, going on a, a little camping beach vacation, if you will. And each of the characters has their own, you know, stuff going on and relationship interdynamics that you need to explore. Um, is that a is that a simplistic way to think about it or is that kind of it? Yeah, but I even add a little bit more essentially saying there's two groups. There's the younger kids and then the older like adults that are supervising and that plays a dynamic as well because they have their own like issues or situations that they kind of go over and so do the kids. 
And eventually, like later on, they kind of combine the two, but I would almost consider it two sets of characters. Yep. And those characters are Uncle Brad and Cloanne, which I've, I've never heard the, the name Cloanne before, but there's a first time for everything. What about Mord? And then Mord, and, <laughs> Mord is also a name. <laughs> is it M-O-R-D. a name? M-O-R-D. M-O-R-D. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and then Ben. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I thought this, you know, from a, a weird names aside, I mean, the odd names actually, to be honest, remind me a bit of like J.D. Salinger. Gave, you know, the Franny and Zooey and, um, you know, all of the odd names of the Glass family. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Um, but at the same, and then I think actually the more that I say it, the more I realize like, oh, that's also where the precocious child who speaks like they are much older than they actually are <laughs> uh, from a wealth of experience that they don't yet have um, actually, you know, likely takes reference or, or inspiration from. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I think the one thing that kind of caught me when they were initially when you start the game, they're kind of introducing each character. And um, I think it's Mord. Her character like vividly reminded me of if anyone watched Bob's Burgers, the daughter who's like very outspoken and like trying to like conquer the universe kind of personality. I immediately kind of just kept visualizing her as that character and like her speaking. Just that's the voice that was in my head when I was reading her narration. She's a real Helga Pataki. And uh, Mo, you mean Louise Belcher, right? Kristen yes. Schaal's character? Yes, Louise. Yes, yeah. Louise. Uh, I think that's like kind of the, the charm and the, the funny element of Bob's Burgers. It's like, oh, the youngest is also the most like aware, in control, taking taking charge of the world. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say, like, I thought it was a bit off-putting to have a character this young, I think they say what, like 12, 12 years 13, old, 13, 12 yeah. or 13. Yeah. Be this precocious where they are like, you know, speaking in long tracks with uh, more character and energy than everyone else combined. Um, and I thought that was just a little bit off putting because it just felt a bit more like it was an adult writing a character as if, they were a 12 or 13 year old girl. Uh, but instead of, instead of actually writing what a 12 or 13 year old girl is. And, you know, I, I, I argue with myself about this because there's someone that Mo and I went to school with that kind of was this person was moored in a lot of ways uh, growing up and maybe around that age, but this just took it to another level. It just felt like a, totally. a little bit too unbelievable. Um, for what it was and 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 that aside i thought i thought the the dialogue especially with mord was fun you know i Mm -hmm. I like the the little repartee that she had with almost every character i'm gonna debate you michael because i i agree but i also think that there was like a youthful vulnerability in some of the things that she was saying so one of the the major i guess themes across this whole hour to hour and a half experience is about like love and sex and it's it's very strange like having a 13 year old be like tell me basically walk herself into the birds and the bees with an adult that is very unwilling to have that conversation and i think that there was like a maturity there that like there was a maturity at 13 that like boys definitely don't have so i I would agree that like she was very smart and probably beyond her years, but then there were still parts of, you know, herself that like were very much still young and youthful. 
Yeah, I mean, they they frame the experience of the character in a coming of age, like having really early conversations about what it means to to be an adult and to be sexual. Uh, but I think the dialogue didn't exactly match with the experience that they were trying to trying to portray. Um, and to me, it kind of smelt like you know when you can you can tell a uh, a guy is writing for a woman, but hasn't really heard a woman speak for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I got Fails that. the Bechtel test immediately. <laughs> I, I felt a very similar vibe of like writing for young characters that haven't talked to a kid in a while. Um, and, and I don't mean that as a shot. I just, it just felt a little bit more true. And to be honest, I, I do, I did find the, the dialogue here entertaining. So it was probably, better to not be realistic and be more entertaining um that said it was a little jarring and took me out of it just a bit yeah and i feel a little bit of column a and column b between you two like i it was a little over the top but there was some like moments where you can tell you know this is a child like they, it's yeah it's, it's a little imbalance of of both because I think they did nail the relationship between like brad and and Chloe-Ann. um obviously like brad says like hey aren't these kids great wouldn't it be great i'm paraphrasing but like these kids are great wouldn't it be great if we had kids and cloanne and him had had clearly had the conversation before they got married of like cloanne doesn't want children and brad just kind of going along with it which is a foundation is a shaky foundation for a relationship if i've ever seen one but very much like hey aren't kids great what if we had our own and her kind of retorting and saying like i said no and not coming to a resolution, which is really how that how that conversation goes all the time. Totally, but I, I saw that in a, almost a different way because yeah, she she did close uh, close them off and say I don't want kids. This is what you signed up for. This is me kind of thing. But afterwards, there was a little bit of a such a, a dialogue where it was like, "Don't you love having these kids around? Maybe let's keep doing this." I think that kind of is the the sign to the next part of the conversation because maybe two camping trips later, that conversation <laughs> becomes a little bit different. I, Maybe I, they're divorced after that. Ooh. Yep. Yep. Fair. Yeah. I, I'd have to agree with you, Jacob, that the Brad and Chloanne conversation was, you know, realistic. It felt like an adult conversation that I've, you know, seen before that I've heard people have and that I would expect to have. Um, and I, I even felt the Mord and Ben conversations were reflective of conversations I've seen in like young relationships and the dynamics there. Um, there's something about all of them at the same time that I thought was interesting and, and refreshing. I especially loved when the adults and the kids had their exchanges a lot more than the kids talk to the other kids or the adults talk to the other adults. Like there is a moment in here when Brad says, when Brad realizes the, the jokey comment he made could have been, or was being like misunderstood or being lost in communication and just, strips it down and speaks very honestly vulnerably straight up to ben um to to kind of like take it on himself when he didn't need to to make sure ben didn't feel self-conscious at all and i thought like oh like not only is that really good like a good character but it was also just like a real sign of maturity other than saying like this is an adult like this is this is a mature adult who's willing to put their needs behind some, you know, a kid's needs and, and recognizing how important it is to support kids in those moments. I wonder how different it would have been if like 
they were the actual like parents like instead of the aunt and mm. uncle relationship we actually had the like because clearly brad's trying to be the cool uncle um would would you think it would have changed if it was like mord's parents i think it would have like very much so yeah, I think that the biggest thing is like so. One one of the situations the kids kind of break away and go to the beach on their own, um, kind of away from the parents. I feel like if there were parents, they might have had more resistance. Whereas like the aunt and uncle are like, yeah, fine, like they'll learn, let them learn. They're more like letting them kind of experience their own life and maybe getting some bumps and bruises and not protecting them from the bumps and bruises. So yeah, I think that th- might have changed. I think you're also better position to have that conversation like the it seems like the crux of this game is around the conversation around like sexuality um and i don't think you have that conversation smoothly with parents um i think it's a lot easier to have that with your cool aunt or uncle um when you see how they model a relationship um when you don't you don't have that same baggage i think you might when when it's your parents um, but I, again, I think that's all reflective of the relationship dynamics that people have with their own parents and, and all that. I, this is just, I think, a, a trope or or a standard that I've seen in media generally. Um, Those stories of love, though, are, are punctuated. And I think we've kind of alluded to it, but like punctuated with some like really like quippy, funny moments uh, like when we're telling stories around the fire or when Brad is drinking, uh, you know, in front of the kids or we're making hot dogs. Um, I, I really like that because it was not just, you know, it's only a 60 to 90 minute game. But like, I feel like there was some really nice small moments in there um, of levity uh, between the moments of let's, let's talk about all the issues that come with or and all the baggage that comes with love. Ben is a master storyteller. That's all I have to say for a quiet kid, man. He's so good at it. Mm-hmm. What was his story about? I don't remember. So Ben's story is about a one day when his parents are either out of the house or taking their nap. Um, he sees a rat come up the drain oh, and yeah, it yeah, gets yeah, yeah, stuck yeah. in the sink <laughs> and he, he feeds it. And each day another rat comes until there's so many rats that they start attacking him. Um, and, and I won't spoil too much more, but um it's such a great moment because at the end, Chloanne asks, like, did, wait, is that real? Like, did that actually happen? Is that a true story? And you know, like, no, right? Obviously not. But he's, he's it's so well told um, and not from the character that you expect to tell it either that, uh, that it really connects. Or maybe he saw a mouse in his bathroom one time and then embellished it into this really great long story. He caught a 12 foot fish. um i need to ask the question did you guys play because obviously there's like the core content revolving around the four characters that we talked about um did you guys play the kind of add-on or the the stuff that came after the credits i i loaded up the chapter i played half of the first one with the lumber guy and i closed it just because i i don't know I i didn't have any motivation to i didn't know if there was anything extra and if it was, since it was bonus i'm like I, I don't know if i want to continue i have no idea what you're talking about you need to explain this to me okay so there is a there's an epilogue in the game um that stars uh two of the characters that you kind of just really bump into bump into um in the um uh, kind of through the course of the story yeah it's it's alan and merrill and one of them's a park ranger and then the other one again it, it's like a 20 minute story so I didn't fully get who 
who they both were, but one was a park ranger and the other was just, I think, either a partner or a friend. And they basically just go down to the beach and look for a teen's phone and then drive back to their shack. And again, you get more kind of really quippy dialogue between the two, but it acts as, I guess, a side story that they put out in 2020, uh, but not not essential. I, I think it's just like a fun thing that came after the credits. Um, but the core of this game is obviously on the four characters that we talked about before. I really do feel like this game is either a great episode in a series uh, that maybe comes in the middle of the series or a really good short film. Like that, That's I, a great I think, way to put it, Mike. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like you walk into this with some... I mean, I like this in stories when they do it. When you walk into characters that are in the middle of something that, you know, you might have some expectation of knowing who they are. Um, but they, yeah, they do a good job, like, establishing relationships and characters. And even if I think some of these characters are overwritten, um, on the whole, like, I really did enjoy that. It feels like an episode. Do you have any, like, examples of, like, movies? I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you have any examples of, like, movies or TV shows? Because the coming-of-age story is my specialty, and, like, I I wrote down a few suggestions of, like, if people liked White Ocean Big Jacket, I have two movie suggestions that they should go and watch. Ooh. Let me jump into it. Yeah, you go first. So I'm going to refer to two movies. Um, They both came out. uh, One of them came out in 2013 and the other came out. Actually, they both came out in 2013. Uh, So the first is Kings of Summer by Jordan Vote Roberts. Uh, It stars Nick Robinson and it's about like four kids um, like exploring a creek in the summertime and what goes along with that. I believe in that movie they like leave run away from their parents and try and live in the woods and it's really really fun uh and the second movie actually has uh steve Carell, steve Carell in it and it's called the way way back and it's about a kid in the summertime whose father steve Carell, is really really terrible and it's just like his coming of age over a summer at a local water park um so like they're both low budget movies uh they're both like i think fox spotlight or searchlight pictures so i would highly encourage you if you like this those are two suggestions for you kings of summer is really good the other one you mentioned steve carell it makes me think of little miss sunshine on Uh some level um oh man there's i have one i just can't remember the name it's the the uh, jonah hill movie the Jonah Hill movie, the the one about Superbad? the coming of age of the skaters. No, no, no. He's uh, he directed it. Oh, mid nineties, mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. Just because like there's a lot of kids kind of just kind of discovering themselves and learning about themselves with other kids, and uh, there are adults in there that kind of help out along. I don't know. Just that's the one thing. Yeah, I'd I'd say, man, I, it's not the same, but it's still got that precocious kid overwritten to some extent vibe, and that's Rushmore. Um, Wes Anderson's Rushmore is about Jason Schwartzman when, well, it's not about Jason Schwartzman, but Jason Schwartzman is an overachieving and underachieving uh, kid prodigy at a private school. Um, so it, it carries, if you like that, like moored dialogue with some Ben in the background, Rushmore is definitely something to check out. I honestly thought you were going to like uh, recommend a Linklater or Linklater movie. Is that how you say like his name? Boyhood? Linklater? Yeah, like Boyhood. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge yeah. I'm not a huge Boyhood fan. I think it's like interesting for what they did, but not especially like in love with it. Otherwise, um, yeah. So, so I guess to, to bring it back, this this is a very short game. Um, we we kind of describe what it looked like. It's like what if what if a coloring book kind of aesthetic, if you will, like very a short hike, yellows and 
Um, mostly yellows, but some other colors in there too. Um, is there anything else that, that we want to touch on here as far as how this game goes? Basically, like you're just moving through it and then di- it's very dialogue focused. You're moving characters around. There are certain little mini games, if you wish. There are like bird watches, a bird watching mini game. Um, but I, I think we, we talked through most of it. Did you guys have anything you wanted to add on here that we haven't talked through? Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would just say, like, we've talked about the two conversations, um, but I think the way this game is structured is it's got an A plot and a B plot, right? They're, they're the two stories that move simultaneously, and at moments they cross and interweave. Like, you can tell that leading up, Brad's going to uh, lead up to the conversation about should we have kids? And it's when Chloe's smoking a cigarette by the kids he says, like, oh, maybe, you know, the secondhand smoke, like, you can see the paternal elements of him being, like, set up, and you can see how those start to weave, and I think this is a great script, and I really do think that this could be a really good episode of TV, a really good short film, um, and I think that as a game, it might not be to its strengths um, in this format, but I did enjoy it as much as I had issues with it along the way. Yeah. If you enjoy a good coming of age story and you have patience for an indie game that, you know, doesn't necessarily put like gameplay first and throw gameplay in your face. I think that this is like a really fun rainy day jaunt. I don't know, Mo, if you, if you kind of felt the same way. Yeah. I think that's a good way to putting it too. It's, it's so short that like it's, it's a good fill for a rainy day, especially if you're lucky enough to get it in the bundle. Like, if you have it in your Steam collection right now, it's an easy download and kind of finish it. <laughs> um, this is like the this is the opposite take of what I think you had at the beginning of this episode, Mo. You came in with the heat, and now you're now you're a bit of a softy. At the end of the day, literally, it could have been an email. Um, it's it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a the story. The, the thing is, like, it's it's more so. Maybe I just I kind of like a longer storyline. I like to kind of be like played along. Um, a little bit longer, and so maybe, like you said, Mike, the, the the fact that this seemed like almost like an episode from a series, like if there was like two episodes after or an episode before coming out as a total package, this could be a really like good game because the storytelling is what's driving it. However, I I I didn't get enough to be like, wow, this is the greatest game ever. Blah blah blah. Like comparing to a lot of games we've played, indie small short titles, I wouldn't say this is even close to the top ones we've I've played at least. Um, I'd put almost all the ones we played on the podcast ahead of it, but it doesn't take away from a great short snapshot of a story that if you have it installed, cool. But if you don't and you're my friend, I wouldn't recommend it. But excuse me for a moment. My I'm I'm dizzy because my head was spinning. <laughs> Mo said there wasn't enough story here for them for him. Um I, I've never once met Mo where he wanted more story in a game. He wanted more text. He wanted more of 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 the of the non shooty shooty stabby stabby bits and this uh, this i completely credit to you guys you know you guys kind of showed me the light that it's not just pew pew blast blast championship trophy there may be a little bit more to things so now that i i, I kind of set my expectations if it's a story game you better be giving me that story because i'm extra heated if i don't get it and that's kind of where my take kind of comes comes in with this game like there wasn't enough for me to kind of praise the story I, you know, the other thing that I want out of this Mo is I want to see what what the email you would write for this game is. If the, if this game could be an email, what would the, what would the email read? Hey, let's go camping. Oh, look, birds. Um, 
Can we have a sex ed class at the campsite? No. Okay. Uh, there's a skeleton in the woods. We use it to glow up the area so we're not scared of the bears that might eat our, eat us. Okay. See you guys next week. That's that's the email. And what's the subject line? Is it warning rattlesnakes or is it something else? Um, bring your own firewood. Okay. Fair. What? Uh, well, one last thing before we before we we you know, wrap this. Um, what do you think the title means? Because the title reminded me of Cake's hit song from the 90s, uh, Short Skirt, Long Jacket, But uh, which I, apparently I found out just before this call, neither of you know, uh, nope. neither of you have any experience with. And uh-uh. yeah, my head continues to spin. Me no no. Uh, what is that song about? You played it for us, and I was just like, I don't know. It's we're about, about, to about a nervous. short skirt and a long jacket. Nope. Just Those saying the well. words again is not helpful. That, <laughs> no. I, I, I honestly, I can't believe you don't know it. I like, what is Wide Ocean Big Jacket? I honestly don't know what that title alludes to. Okay. Yeah, no idea. I, I have I, a guess. I, I think maybe it touches on that moment when like the kids are at the beach, and they're like... Uh, like loving the view with the stars and like the the water so i thought maybe that but with i don't get the jacket part i'm guessing it's something like that the developer kind of has a reason for that i don't know yeah i have no idea to me it's like the it's the the trope of like the coming of age movie is like we pick a very like ambiguous floaty like words don't mean a lot kind of title i mean think about the movies that i just named like a, the way way back and kings of summer like that is that is this they came with the coming of age movie title as a game you've, um, you've got one more movie on the tip of my tongue it's got macaulay culkin uh, oh yep he got stung by being done yes right? yes uh my girl my girl yes yep kind of yep. reminds me of my girl uh-huh uh, that is, hold on, is that John Candy? No, that's no. Dan Aykroyd. Is it Dan Aykroyd? Dan Aykroyd, I think so. It's a and, Rob Reiner film, I'm pretty sure. Yep, and it's uh, all Halloween, uh, Freaky Friday. Jamie Lee Curtis. <sighs> yeah, that's it. Okay, well, I'm sure the audience has had enough of us trying to like <laughs> feel in the dark for movies that are related to this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so very interesting to see this is a, a litmus test for for how Mo has grown in his his taste in games and what he's looking for in them. Um, I'm glad that I experienced it. I I did generally enjoy it, even if I felt there were moments that there that it took me out of it. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend this to most people. I would as well, and I think that we we've talked about a lot of the episodes that we've done before. Again, if you want to listen to a thirty our thirty flights of Lubbock episode, that was episode twelve. Virginia episode twenty, and then Kentucky Route Zero is we started at episode eighty seven. Uh, if you like this or want more games like this, listen to those pods because they're in the feed. Mo, any final thoughts before we close it out? Um, just I, I didn't like this game, and I wouldn't recommend it just to kind of have that contrast, but. <laughs> Um, I, well, here, I think there's so much more you could play. There's so many other things. It's like you said, Jacob, if you had like an hour and there's nothing else and it's installed, give it a shot. It's a cool little story, but you can spend that hour playing an hour of something else. 
Well, hey, there's there are your thoughts about Wide Ocean, Big Jacket, a coming of age story that Mo can summarize in email form. Uh, you can find all things Left Behind Game Club on Twitter at Left Behind Club, on Instagram at Left Behind Game Club, and on our Discord server at leftbehindgame.club slash Discord. If you enjoyed the show, do us two favors, send it to a friend, and give us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, Mike. Uh, if people, people want to find you on the internet, where can they do so? People can find me at RufaloM on most social places online, uh, MichaelRufalo.com or in the Discord server. Mo, where can the people find you? Yeah, you can find me at almost all social media platforms at Emmertati. I'm probably more active on the Discord, I guess, and on Instagram as well. Um, Jacob, where can the fine folks find you? Uh, you can find me on the internet at Jacob McCourt, J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. Twitter's probably the best place to find me. Uh, I host another podcast called Cutscenes. It's a video game movie podcast. Uh, we just wrapped up season three. Uh, you can find all them episodes on your podcasting platform of choice or at cutscenes.ca. Uh, Michael, my friend, please take us home. And that, my friends, is one less game left behind. And a long jacket. I'm Jacob McCourt. I'm Katie Lasbrance. And I'm Travis Colnett. We are hosting a brand new podcast called Cutscenes. There are tons of video game podcasts and tons of TV film podcasts, but we're going to bring you the intersection of both and talk about video game, movies, and TV. I know what you're thinking. Aren't most of them not very good? Wrong. Some of them are fine. And we're going to tell you all about them. Make sure to subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at Cutscenes underscore pod. And most importantly, give us a listen. See you soon. Cutscenes, a video game movie podcast.